This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my co-host and mom, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi, Heidi. Wow, it's raining in California, and our guest is from Tennessee, and you're from New York City. <laughs> and and I, it's a for, pretty wild world, isn't a, it? Absolutely. We're from all parts of the country, the South, the East, and the West. And I forgot to say the most one of the most important things. We are in partnership with the Compassionate Friends, and that is how we met our guest that we're going to have on the show today is through the Compassionate Friends. Yeah, we uh, did YouTubes with them at the conference, so people can go on the site and look at YouTubes. Absolutely. With R. Glenn Kelly. And why don't you introduce him, because he's an expert on men and grief, and I know everybody is very interested in that topic. Men Abs- are interested in how to grieve, and women are interested in how to fix their men. Exactly. That is so true, Mom. And R. Glenn Kelly speaks all over the country. He does a lot with the Compassionate Friends. Uh, he is a public speaker and author of several bereavement support books, including Sometimes I Cry in the Shower. He unexpectedly lost his teenage son and only child to a congenital heart defect. Today, is, he is an authority on male versus female expressions of grief, citing the impacts of nature and nurture on each sex. Arglem brings awareness of how these pre-wired differences, which seem opposing at first, will actually lead to long-term loving support throughout the healing process of loss. Welcome to the show, R. Glenn, also known as Ron. Oh, thank you, and thank you for having me. What an honor it is. You do so much for so many people out there. It's a lot of fun having you on it. I loved interviewing you, the Compassionate Friends. I think we did like two YouTubes, right? Well, you, you did three, actually, and bless your heart, thank you. I mean, there was three that we did. So, <laughs> so they amazing. were, uh, well, people are so interested in this topic. They are. And as I said, uh, Women are trying to fix their men, and, mm-hmm. and everybody's trying to figure out how to help men. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you first to talk about your loss and how you came to uh, the world of grief and loss. Well, I had uh, a help. son that was born in 1997, Jonathan. Uh, mm-hmm. He was born with a condition known as hypoplastic left heart syndrome, where the, the left side of his heart had failed to develop in the womb. And back in those days, uh, you know, the first thing they did was hand him to us and say, he's probably not going to make it through the night. But wow. uh you know, living in Washington, D.C. at the time, we had him immediately transferred over to Children's Hospital there in D.C. And, and got some great news that they could rebuild his heart, and they did. Um, wow. I don't want to make it sound so easy. Poor little guy went through three open-heart surgeries you know, wow. almost at the beginning of life. Uh, he lived for 16 years. Um, the way they rebuilt his heart, he was relatively a healthy young man with some, you know, some limitations. But at the same time, uh, he died unexpectedly during a routine heart catheterization where they were just kind of poking around to see if, uh, see if they could tweak him a little bit. That's so, awful. It was, it was his time. So it wasn't wow. medical error. It sounded like it was just something that can't be explained. It was. And, and, you know, a lot of people think that I was going after the hospital, but I, I paid out of my pocket for a, a medical commission of independent uh, pediatric surgeons, mm-hmm. a cardiologist, to review all the files uh, from the hospital. And they came back and said, uh, you know, basically it was his time. And, and wow. today I sit on the board of advisors for that very hospital. Wow. So I, I don't hold them at, at fault whatsoever. It was it was his time. Mm-hmm. I love that you are doing that and then sitting on the board of advisors because uh, you can really make an impact 
when well, it was it was that magic hospital. thing that you could imagine. It was that step across the threshold. Well, and, and walk back into that hospital. I, I bet, I and like my mom said, how healing to be able to go and give back now and to to help other families through through you know what they're going through through health crisis. But what I'm struck by, and I know my mom's thinking the same thing. You know, you're in a place where you're saying it was his time, and I'm just wondering for all people out there that don't feel that way and that are just angry because their kids died bef- young, mm-hmm. how did you get to that point or were you always there? And for them, what advice would you have? Because I know a lot of people harbor a lot of anger that their kids left this earth too young. I've got to say one thing. I know what Heidi was going to say, and she stopped herself. Mm-hmm. They feel that their kids died before their time. Right. <laughs> well, they I did so stop myself. thinking before their time. Yes. And, Thank you, Mom. You know, their time is their time. I don't know. That's exactly well, they, they what I thought myself. It's not the saying. natural of order things. Whether you believe in Darwinism or whether you believe in God, I mean, we were put on this earth to grow and reproduce, and then died in old age. And mm-hmm. you know, our blueprint is that our children will outlive us. So none of it is natural. However, you know, one of the things that really got me through it was open to hope, mm-hmm. uh, the compassionate friends, bereaved parents of the USA. Just just realizing that I was not alone. Um, you know, I've got a, a minor military background, four years in the Marine Corps. Oh, wow. During a time of, of non-combat, but, but how many children not much older than my child have been lost in combat over the past decade and a half? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me to sit around and, and think, woe is me, uh, when in reality it should be woe is Jonathan, and my poor child's not here anymore, but there is a you know, selfish part that I'm without him. You know, who am I to sit here and, and be any, any better than anybody else who's lost a child? So having your support, having support of, of compassionate friends, bereaved parents, and organizations out there like yours means that, that I'm not alone, and that means so and, much. You know, I want to say it was your only child. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you connected it with a live alone at all? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, Kay, is, is, uh, Kay Bevington and, and Rodney are like parents to me. Um, wow, that's great. They are great people. Yeah, so I want to say for people who are, you know, have lost their only child, that's a whole, we could do a whole show on that. But talk to us about the difference between male and female loss. Well, it's interesting when you talk about so many people are interested in the the male brain and fixing their males. Um, You know, as I wrote my first book, uh, I had a female editor who was also a a friend for for life, and she's still a friend, but uh, she kept telling me that women are going to love this book, and I would tell her, I'm not writing it for women. I'm writing it for my male friends. <laughs> you know, she would go on and on. Women are going to love this book. And I would say, I don't care. I don't care. It's mm-hmm. it's for my bros. Um, you know, the biggest readers that I have are women that want to understand the male mind. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's been fascinating because it also got me, you know, I often say that, that, you know, because I had to study the light and I had to study the dark, too. So I got to know the female mind just as well. But it's, it's interesting to get in, say, a panel uh, discussion. Uh, an all-women panel discussion and be the sole male that they're targeting and asking questions about the male brain, and they so want to know what we're thinking and why we're thinking it. So it, it's amazing. It, it's so good to get back that way. Aren't, aren't women, I, I hear women so many times say their husband's really not grieving. You know, he needs, he needs to grieve more. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes I've done workshops where men feel, you know, like they'd like to cry more. But they're unable to cry, and there are some biological factors. There's some sure. hormonal factors that are in connection with crying. The um, the milk letdown hormone is mm-hmm. one that women naturally have that you know that is involved with crying and all that kind of thing. So, so there are some. Re- I don't think it's just 
training as people no not like at all not at all there's, there's not natural not. things inside of us that, that really stem from the dawn of man uh physiological parts of our body that actually you know like you said with hormones our brains are awash with different hormones and they they cause us to subconsciously act in ways that we've been programmed to do over over centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a quick example, and you know this, I'm preaching the choir, but the, the amygdala is much much bigger in the male, and it's been known, and and you probably know this. I mean, men are really more emotional inside than women. We just do not express it outside. We take care of our emotions inside. Very interesting. So, what do you think the biggest problem is for men that you see? Uh, as far as grief and loss goes? Um, and I'll take you back to a personal example for me, and, and what really got me started down this road of advocacy is, is I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought because I was not expressing myself in the same manner as my wife, um, you know, openly expressing my grief, crying openly. Um, you know, and I was more systematic and, and quite thankful that there were things that I had to do, like like. Get, get his service ready, do this, do that. I was systemizing and organizing in a way that men have been doing for centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing that men have to understand is when I write the book, sometimes I cry in the shower. I don't want men to try to change themselves, especially during times in such a big stressor, if that makes sense. They're already going through a time of, of great, great remorse. To try to tell yourself that you're wrong in some way is just a, a you know a, another hammer on another problem, um, and, and you guys know this as well as I do that that if you want to change something about yourself, although that is not the time to do it, change can come later. So realize that, that you are who you are, and your grief process is just the way it's supposed to be for you because you are an individual. Um, and, and try to change yourself later if you want to. Well, you know, when I look at the, the Compassionate Friends and bereaved Parents, and we've been, my mom and I are very involved in, in Compassionate Friends, and we've also keynoted and been to a lot of bereaved Parents, um, you know, conferences. What I wanted to say was, you see, it's predominantly women that they are there. I mean, probably 70%, I would, I'm guessing. So what I'm wondering is, what, how did you first end up going to these organizations for support? And was it your wife that brought you, or did you bring yourself? No, you know, in my relationship, and my wife, I love her to death, but she's, she's decided since John's passing that she would stay private with this. Mm-hmm. Um, she does not, um, you know, I, I get the wifely you know, bows of the head and things like that, but uh, this is pretty much my outgoing thing. Um, with compassionate friends and with uh, bereaved parents, with a number of organizations out there, including TAPS, I just availed myself. Mm-hmm. I said, this is who I am, and, and I, I'd like to serve. And I learned a long time ago that it, uh, if there's something that you want to do and you've got a passion about it, ask. People are always willing to, to take help from others. You know what I love about what he's saying, Mom, is, is like we always say, guys like to do things. And, Ron, you're talking about doing. And I like how you're saying, well, I wanted to get involved because I wanted to serve. So sure. I, and there's I think, a lot of opportunity to serve, by there the is. way. And, and a lot of opportunity for guys to serve, mm-hmm. uh, if, you know, since we're speaking about men today. One of the things I wanted to approach with you is anger, because um, we run a chapter with Compassionate Friends, and I often find that men, they come and, and they're really angry, mm-hmm. and sometimes they don't come back. Uh, just I, I don't know what, what they're doing with their anger. I, I don't know, you know, Particularly, I've seen it with uh, suicide families where the, the men are very angry. And also med- medical malpractice and that kind of thing. So I'm sure I would guess when, you're, when your son first died of a procedure, you were angry, were you? 
I was. I was. And I called it false anger. And, mm-hmm. and at the time, it wasn't false. I, I initially blamed the hospital. Um, and I initially blamed myself. Um, there was a lot of false guilt there that led to anger. Uh, and as you're aware, I mean, anger only comes about for one reason. That's because you've got a sense of loss, and, and that sense of loss gives you pain, and that pain brings you to anger. What you do with it after that, uh, I say, if you can express it healthfully, um, then you need to, because it is an emotion that needs to be expressed. It's, it's when it comes back and it becomes a danger to yourself or others, it means you're not processing it um, you know, very well. Well, you know, the, the, I don't think people realize that one of the dangers to your your is to lose your health. Mm-hmm. Yes, Absolutely. and I mean, you can do that by bottling in your emotions, including anger. Yep. They just need to be they need to be expressed in a healthy manner. There, there's nothing wrong with anger. It's a it's a it's a natural human emotion. Um, and as I've said before, uh, emotions to me are almost like the true sixth sense. Um, emotions got us through survival through all these centuries. If we didn't respond to our emotions, we probably wouldn't have survived. So to bottle those up inside, and, and Doctor, I think you were getting ready to allude to this. I mean, bottling up your emotions inside will will lead to ill health. Well, well, right. and I, I like that you're saying this because I worked with the fire department for ten years after nine eleven, oh, and a lot you. of the firefighters were extremely angry. And like you're saying, Ron, it's a legitimate emotion. Mm-hmm. And the first thing we need to do for ourselves when we are angry is acknowledge, like you're saying, acknowledge and validate that it's a normal reaction, and it's okay to feel that way. And we have to do that first before we can move on sure, to expressing it. Sure, I had a it. loss, and mm-hmm. it hurts me, and that hurt leads me to anger. Yep. Um, it, it's got to be walked through in that, that almost, I hate to be a guy, but in almost a systematic way so it can be processed. Mm-hmm. To, to not process any emotions, and we do it subconsciously a lot. I mean, we look at a pretty flower, and our emotion is, oh, that's pretty, and we express it in some way. Um, every emotion that we take in is like every other thing that we take in. It's got to come back out in some way or another in the form of energy or expressed emotions or something, or anger. You know, um, yeah, the anger can really eat you up. I mean, I've seen people with strokes. Uh, I've had people uh, we've talked to who said, I went too low. Don't go so low. Don't do it. I mean, your child would not want you to lose your health over this kind of thing. So you do need to take care of yourself. And I well, think that's where support groups and, and uh, Open to Hope and, and all the other organizations bring us to, is it, it there is hope. There is hope for me. I, my child is gone. My blueprints have changed uh, against my will, but uh, but there is hope. So what are you doing now uh, to remember your son now? I, I would think that one of the things is you work at the hospital. <laughs> and I enjoy that immensely. Uh, the other part is, is I do give back. And, and as I said before, I ask. And, and asking has got my service out there quite a bit. Um, there's some things I'm very proud of. I think, are you familiar with uh, Dr. Bob Niemeyer? Yes, he used sure. to be on the board of directors of Open to Hope. Yeah, he, he asked me to co-author a book with him. That's great. He's wonderful. Oh, that's great. Are you working on it now? Uh, no, I am not. Um, he, he has me from time to time, and bless his heart, he'll, he'll have me come into his uh, psychology class, and he'll walk out, and he'll say, they're yours. Oh, that's and, right, because you guys are in the same neck of the woods. He's right here at University of Memphis. Love it. He's so, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's all about service. I go and ask, and and, uh, and hopefully that, that, you know, when I ask if I can serve, I, I do hope the service I provide is, is um, something they can take value from. Uh, we've got, and you know, the summer's coming. Uh, we'll cross paths again this year at Compassionate Friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a number of um, uh, different venues that, that I hope to be seeing at. Um, you know, Dave Roberts has got his... Uh, this thing going on up in Utica, New York yep. this year. 
Uh, so I'll be there. So there's a number of national conventions of, or conferences, I shouldn't call them conventions, but conferences. Yeah, and tell people where your website is. Uh, my website is grievingmen, one word, of course, grievingmen.com. And thank you for bringing that up. Grievingmen.com. And, you, mm-hmm. and, and how you've do, written, Sometimes I Cry in the Shower. What are your other books? The other book is called The Grief Case, and it's, it's a simple analogy about um, the, the fact that grief is just a container word, and it, it holds all those emotions. So, you know, once you've had the loss that we've experienced, somebody gives you a grief case, and many times, you know, you're given that by somebody that you don't even know, but you will carry it with you for the rest of your life. Initially, it'll be heavy and confusing and burdensome, but as you work through it, you'll, you'll come to understand it gets lighter. It's still with you, as we know our grief is still with us all the time. But at some point in your life, it, it'll actually be something that you enjoy opening up and, and looking back on the memories of who you've lost. So, so Ron, I love what all, all that you're saying because, you know, I know you, and you are a Marine, and once a Marine, always a Marine. My son is at Fort Benning right now, so I have a new regard for the military and what you've been through. Oh, and thanks for service. what I'm going to say is you're a real guy, mm-hmm. and you're a guy's guy, and I love this information coming from you. Um, and I want to know what advice you'd have to men out there that are grieving and don't know how they're going to find hope again. Well, the first thing they do is, is they've got to realize they've got hope in themselves. Um, don't look around and, and let people tell you that you're not grieving properly. Uh, we all know that we're all as unique as snowflakes and fingerprints. Uh, but males are different than females. Uh, we're pre-wired from, from our birth to be different. Um, don't think of yourself as lesser. Realize that you're, you're grieving the way that you should Nothing in my book says that, that you need to change who you are to grieve. Just realize who you are and realize that you're okay. Uh, we, we paint with a broad brush in this profession. We really do. I mean, you know, people are so unique. But at the same time, the vast majority of, of men are, are the same way that I am. Um, you know, and no offense to the, the mental health profession, but I knew in my ego I wasn't going to go lay on somebody's couch. <laughs> um, you know, I, I knew I had to go find books to, to figure out why I was the way that I was. And, um, I realized that I was okay, that, that people were telling me that, that I, I wasn't okay because I wasn't, you know, openly crying. And, and now, keep in mind, I was choking up. Of course I was, and tears would come. But uh, I wasn't um, completely immobilized. So I, I thought there was something wrong with me at first because I wasn't that stereotypical griever. Um, come to find out I'm a guy. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that made me feel you know, so much better. You know, some of the better. things that have been pretty unique that we've heard that people have done. One one guy was telling us that every uh, Sunday evening he asked friends to trade off and play ping pong with him. Mm-hmm. And they came over to the house for some time for a year and played right. ping pong. And then another one bought a house and his friends came over and he was going to buy a house before his wife died. And his friends came over and helped him renovate it. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, you know, there are all sorts of doing stuff. Somebody else told us her husband bricked up their whole yard and patio and put in a fireplace outside. Well, and you know why we do that, because we're men. We have to feel that that even after a loss, which is outside of our control, um, I I hate to tell you this, but I've got so many pieces of furniture inside of my house that I built Mm -hmm. after my child passed, because doing that gave me a a sense of control. I could stop doing it when I wanted to. If I chose not to do it, it... I lost control when I lost my son for a while. So those things that keep us busy afterwards are are very important to our healing. It's hard to see your wife grieve, too, isn't it? It is. It really is. And it's a a different fashion, but at the same time, you know, those differences that that have always enhanced our love and our relationships, 
they're, they're, they seem almost opposing when we get to those great stresses in life, um, but they're not. God made us this way, or Darwin made us this way, uh, for a reason. We're, we're opposite, and we have different traits. Uh, we've got to embrace them and then understand. The biggest thing is just understanding, awareness that that, that person is not going to grieve in the same manner I am. Well, on that note, I want to end the show because that's that's great information for people. I mean, people are going to grieve differently than you, and you are such a great spokesperson for men. I love all that you're doing, and thank you so much for being on our show. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. It's been great having you on. Thank you. Well, Heidi, uh, I'm so glad we're going to see Ron R. Glenn Kelly at the Compassionate Friends National Conference in Orlando because I know he'll be presenting and we're going to do some more YouTubes and we hope that people who are listening will come and join us in that event. I agree with you and he is such a positive person when you meet him. He's very dynamic and he's never met a stranger um, and I love his southern the way about him. You know, he's got such a he does have a military way about him in, a, in a, all the best sense. And I love what he said when he said, you know what, there was nothing wrong with me. I thought there was something wrong with me because I wasn't completely immobilized, but there was nothing wrong with that. I was just grieving in a different way. Yeah, I love it. What, what great thoughts. Well, we hope you'll uh, visit us at opentohope.com and look at, at the YouTube that Ron and I did together. And Heidi and I want to remind you, as always, please visit us at opentohope.com and at thecompassionatefriends.org. And we want to remind you, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.